This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the 4K 5.0 or the budget-friendly solo, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we're also working with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. Basically, Spartan Forge takes collar deer studies, insurance car deer accident information, social media geolocations, and it couples that with weather, moon phase, and rut activity to tell you when or when not to be in the woods. This currently has an online interface at spartanforge.ai, but the app is currently being built and set to launch late summer. Once the app goes live, you can expect there to be a price increase. But if you use code BOWHUNTER, you can save 25%, and that will stick with you as long as you use the Spartan Forge services. So head on over to spartanforge.ai and get your free 14-day trial. Have you ever taken a shot at an animal and just completely blew it? Or have you been shooting at targets and all of a sudden you can't seem to get the pin on the target no matter what you do? How did you overcome this, or were you able to overcome it? That's what we're talking about on today's podcast. Today we're joined by shooting instructor Joel Turner to discuss overcoming target panic. This podcast came to be at the request of one of our Patreons. They asked, and we delivered. Patreons like our newest member, Cody Campo, out of New Richmond, Wisconsin. If you aren't familiar with Patreon, Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators where listeners support the show with a monthly donation for as little as 17 cents a day. For 17 cents a day, you help keep the show going and progressing and help keep us getting better. And to give back to our Patreons, we have a Facebook page, Bowhunter Chronicles Opportunists, where we share ideas for the live podcast, the latest goings on, as well as links to the Vitals Live. Vitals Live is a live webinar series. Uh, where you get to join live conversations with experts like Dan Infall, John Eberhardt, 
Greg Litzinger, Garrett Prawl, Zach Farinbaugh, and we also do quarterly giveaways. This quarter, we're giving away uh, through Tacticam a fisheye package. So if you haven't seen the Tacticam fisheyes, they're a wide-angle, waterproof, submersible Tacticam. Uh, they offer loop mode. They're wide-angle. They also work off of the same remote, so you don't have to just use your phone. Uh, so you can use the Tacticam remote, which will also work with your uh, 4K 5.0. Uh, in addition to that, someone else is going to win one of Dan Infault's B stands. So we ordered that with the donations that we get from Patreon, um, and we're going to be giving one of those away. We've got it ordered. As soon as they start shipping, we're going to be, uh, as soon as we get that, we're going to ship it out to you. And uh, we're also partnered with Basemap. So if you haven't checked out Basemap, Basemap offers an amazing GPS mapping uh application uh it's one price for the entire country that's less than the cost of one state for some of the other apps and also has tons of layers as well as lake charts depths for many inland lakes um, and you can use code chronicles to save 20 percent. and that makes the app two dollars a month for the year so for 24 bucks i mean it is impossible to beat uh, we've been using it extensively for the last two years and uh, i don't see any way or any reason to switch back um the new screenshots that they've been sharing of that app and the things that are coming and the enhancements, it looks incredible. Super excited to see that. Um, so Basemap's giving away a year subscription to that, as well as a swag pack with a shirt and a hat. Um, also in the intro, you heard that we're partnered with Spartan Forge. Um, Spartan Forge is also offering up a year subscription to their service. And if, it, if you haven't seen the screenshots of their new app, check that out on their Instagram and uh, you can save 25% again by using code bowhunter on that one. And that price will be locked in for the duration of the time, regardless of the price ch uh, change. And you're going to want to jump on that because uh, as soon as that app comes out, which is supposed to be uh, next month, maybe June, July, um, that price is definitely going to go up, but you'll be locked in. Um, and then uh, Zinger Fletchings, they're 3D printed compression fit Fletchings. Those guys, uh, great guys, they've offered up a set of theirs. Uh, so basically, um, you'll just tell them what arrows you have, the outside diameter, and uh, they'll make them for you. And they make a four-fletch, three-fletch, uh, different degrees of helical. Um, pretty sweet. Lots of our Patreons are shooting them. Um, I'm setting up my set of arrows right now. I just set up my new uh, Carbon Zion bow, which we just so happen to be giving away. And that's outside of Patreon. So um, you can give, you can win that not being a Patreon. If you want to check out the Patreon stuff, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bullhunter Chronicles podcast. You can go to bullhunterchroniclespodcast.com and sign up there. Or um, you can just click the link in our Instagram. And so when you're checking out the Patreon stuff, there's a link for uh, the 2021 Carbon Zion that we're giving away. And that bow, uh, sweet shooting bow, like I said, I just got mine set up. And uh, that is coming with an HHA uh, Tetra sight as well as a rest. Um, so that's going to be complete, ready to go right out of the box. And we're giving that away. You can go to that link on Instagram, link on the webpage, um, all that stuff, but that's just to give back to say that we appreciate everybody that's listening. This podcast is one that you're going to want to tell your buddies about your buddy that sucks at shooting. Um, maybe you don't want to tell him about it. Maybe he's going to outshoot you. Um, 
but this podcast has really helped both John and I. And uh, when we got done recording this, I mean, this has been one of the best ones that we've done. Um, so I know you guys are going to like this one. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. Tonight, we are talking with Joel Turner, uh, Shot IQ, uh, Target Panic Guru, I think uh, we can call him. Um, how are you doing tonight, Joel? I'm excellent, man. Just about to shoot a league night here, so uh, it's going to be good. Awesome. Our leagues have been shut down. and Oh, jeez. Yeah, we live in Michigan, so our governor oh, God, says yeah. no fun for anybody. <laughs> but um, so for the listeners who don't know you... Um, Let's let's hear a little bit about uh, why did I call you the the target panic uh, archery mindset guru guy? Well, it might be because I've been through every gamut of target panic known to mankind, <laughs> uh, as as most of us have. But I, you know, started shooting a bow when I was seven, and by the time I was eight, you know, no instruction or anything like that. I mean, this is back in the back in the early eighties. And, uh, just, you know, having fun as a young man, slinging arrows, but wondering why I was always locked off the target. I could never actually aim at the target without letting it go. You know, in those early days, I always shot recurves and longbows and such. And then when I, when I put a sight on a compound bow, I could never get the pin on the target without letting it go. Of course, I was shooting my fingers back then, but it was just, uh, a thing that, just kept on going through my, through my teenage years into my twenties and trying to figure this stuff out. And, you know, bow hunting was my life, but I just wasn't good at it. I was good at certain aspects of it, but not at the shooting part, you know? And, uh, then I became a, I became a law enforcement officer when I was 24. And that's when the determination level started to come up because I didn't have the option of missing anymore. And so I really had to figure out because this the whole target panic thing, whatever you want to call it, shot anticipation was very prevalent in my firearms work as well. And I shot a lot, but I was really good at air rifles and 22 long rifle. But you put a centerfire rifle in my hand, I was worthless. I mean, just yanking the trigger all the time. And it, it just it was the same science that was happening to me in the firearms world as in the archery world. So, but when I became a police officer, things had to change. And that's when I started trying to figure out what's really happening here. Right. And that, you know, back in those early days in my early twenties, I didn't really have a clue what was happening. I did have some success. However, when I was in the Academy, I took top firearms in my class because I had tried to fix a mental problem with mechanical means. And by that, I mean, I, I started shooting a 1911 pistol instead of a Glock that had a lot longer trigger. The 1911 had a lot shorter trigger stroke in it. And for some reason I could shoot it better. I could control it better, not knowing why or how, but just the fact that it was, it was working out. Right. And then, and then, uh, you know, still horrible. You know, I started to become kind of a backyard hero with my bow, but you put me in front of a bunch of people worthless. You put me in front of a, a critter, worthless so i mean it took me i started bow hunting elk when i was um 14 years old 
And it took me 13 years to kill a bull elk with my bow. That's that's not very uh, good odds for us guys coming from the from the east out well, west. Well, it, it is. Elk. Yeah, but it is. No, but it is now because the code's been cracked now. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm a two-time world elk calling champion, so I can call elk in like a chicken on a string. However, I couldn't hit them. I couldn't, I could not control myself at the moment of truth. And, uh, so that was really starting to work on me. And then that basically set me on the path of research that, that, uh, became control process shooting and shot IQ and all the, all the stuff that, that is in existence now. Okay. So take us through that process if you would, because like I had never experienced target panic until uh, last year we did not do the total archery challenge because it bumped up against our travels for elk season but the year previous to that i shot like the first two days fairly decent i I shot within my normal ability and on the last day on the shortest course something happened and i could not hold on the target i could not even get near the animal and then i'm trying to drive by i'm in my body was frozen and locked and there wasn't a catalyst. There wasn't like an event that was like, Oh, this happened. And then it was just all of a sudden a flip switch. You, you had, you had practiced your own failure, your whole archery career. And it just came to fruition at that time. And it, it may, it may sound weird, but I imagine in your archery that you maybe punched the trigger some days, some days you didn't, you know, but it was always, there was always a little bit of trigger punch in there. Oh yeah. There was, he always had some trigger punch. Right. So if, if you always have a little bit of trigger punch, every single shot, you are practicing your own failure and it just gets, you get more and more and more efficient. That's all you did is you, you know, you're, you start to use your sight picture as the stimulus for your shot and you punch the trigger and then you couldn't even get your pin on there and you'd punch the trigger and then you'd jump the target and then you'd try to drop the target and then you'd come in from the sides and it's the it's the same thing that happens to every single human being that follows the natural path of learning which we're all going to do and that's why shooting is so different right shooting is you have to actually stay in the cognitive stage of learning and not go to the automatic stage that's what makes shooting so different from everything else. I feel like you were behind us on that course because <laughs> I, tried, I tried all of those things, I feel like. Sure. We all do, right? So, but literally, and I can't stress this enough, when people go out and practice and if they punch the trigger, this, the tiniest bit, even the tiniest bit, they're practicing their own failure for high stress events. So we have to stop doing that you have to go out and use shooting to practice concentration use shooting to make decisions right practice making decisions and practice the determination that's required to make those decisions otherwise you're practicing your own failure there's really no other way to put that right i mean and sure people are going to have some amounts of success but you never know when you're going to fail and usually it's on the buck of a lifetime right? Or a bull of a lifetime and, and things just become ultra efficient 
and you screwed up and you wondered what the hell happened and you blacked out and all that stuff. Well, all you did is become ultra efficient. Yeah. That was me last year in Montana. <laughs> so like, did you not get your pin on a, on a bull or a buck that you wanted or what was the deal? So <clears throat> I've dealt with the target, target panic thing. And it was like, I mean, going way back, like I, I shot, I shot great. Like I shot just the, the wrist strap, you know, and I didn't punch the trigger and mm-hmm. we started shooting our leagues and stuff. And I actually like, I took like first place in our leagues the one year. And then I went and I started watching Dudley's videos and all that. And I ended mm-hmm. up, I'm like, I'm going to get a thumb trigger. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to try one of these. And it was like, I gave myself target panic. I, I'm like, I, I read about it and everything. And it was like, I swear I just gave it to myself. Like, <laughs> you know, it was you like, didn't give it to yourself. You were born with it, bro. <laughs> right, every every right. one of us is born with it. it. It's just when you went to the thumb trigger, it was a thumb trigger is the most complex of all of the trigger movements. And you wouldn't think so because all you do is move your thumb, right? Well, you're not supposed to move your thumb right. at all, right? <laughs> yeah. So it becomes it becomes fairly complex with it. So, um, uh, that's, that's the deal. You, you are supposed to reach up on that, on that thumb trigger and then stretch the back of your hand, which articulates your thumb into it. But if you don't know that you're just going to start punching that thing, the littlest bit. And then that gets and your mind, loves you for it. And it just gets more and more and more efficient. Right. And I, so what I did was I ended up that, so I bought a silver back or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a back tension. And, tension activated yeah. yeah and so that i mean if the first you know i send some i sent some through the freaking ceiling and you know like mm-hmm. but yeah once once i got used to shooting that that was i actually told adam like don't go buy a thumb trigger just mm-hmm. get a get a back tension or a tension release mm-hmm. and because that's going to be a way to you know you can't punch it. I mean, you can jerk it, but once yeah. you start getting, but then you just think, you know, think about it, just pull through, pull through. But mm-hmm. so last year when I went elk hunting, I ended up, I got a new bow mm-hmm. and it, like with the way COVID was and everything, like it took forever to get my 70 pound limbs. And I actually mm-hmm. built the bow the week before I went out mm-hmm. and I thought I, I even, and I built this brand new set of arrows and tried getting it tuned. And I, I build my own strings, everything. I like tuned the shit out of my bows. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had everything good. I got out there the first day. I ended up going after some uh, antelope mm-hmm. and had an antelope. At, it's, I mean, it was a frontal shot at 35, which is a long shot. I mean, mm-hmm. and I was on my knees and I ended up taking the shot and my arrow did like this big old corkscrew. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? So yeah. I got to my buddy's place in Bozeman, and he had he has a bow press and all that. And I end up, uh-huh. well, for one, my knocks, like my D-loop, like squeezed my center serving. So I was getting a ton of oh, knocks. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'd go to pull my arrow off, and the knock was stuck on the right. string, basically. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the materials to reset, you know, reserve it. Mm-hmm. So I end up going mm-hmm. to, like, the nocturnals. But anyway... Mm-hmm. I ended up having a shot. I shot a mule deer doe, and I was completely calm at this. I mean, I was just filling a tag for me. Sure. Yeah. And, like, I held the pin right on. It was a 35-yard quartering away, calm shot, and the arrow kind of 
did a little bit of a corkscrew, but it, it hit to mm-hmm. the to the right. It was back mm-hmm. a little bit. And I was like, man, you know, what the hell? So I was like losing confidence in my equipment. Yep. And then that mm-hmm. was just like a mental breakdown for me. And sure. then two days later, I had a nice six by six bull come in and it happened like so fast. He was chasing a cow. I had ranged mm-hmm. like through the opening and mm-hmm. he come running through and stopped perfect. I actually have it on Tacticam. And I mm-hmm. I just completely blew it. Just like pulled back, like you said, mm-hmm. just hammered it. Yeah, you went. So when you, you know, all that stuff, you know, your bow going out of tune, all that stuff, all that did was change your thought process. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, and don't take offense to anything that I'm telling you, but if your thought process was affected by that, then it was weak to start with. Right. Right. Yep. Meaning, it was not the problem. The whole problem with this situation is that you never blueprinted how you do it. Right. So you go to a tension activated release and here's the problem with that is that's going to, that's going to fix your target panic instantly. But here's why, because if you don't pull on the tension activated release, your bow won't go off. Right. So it forces you to make the decision to do a movement that's going to cause your body impact. It forces you to make the decision, or you could say it makes the decision for you, right? Right. Now, the problem is that people get put into tension-activated releases, and they can never leave them because they don't know the science of making the decisions. It's the decisions that are the skill, right? Mm So if you did the same set of decisions on your index finger trigger you would start the whole shot with i'm going to shoot this shot of control no matter what then you would draw your bow back then you would aim then you would wrap your finger deep on the trigger then you would say here i go as your critical second decision right so you say here i go and you've got this hook formed around the trigger and then you start pulling your hand through the strap Right. That's using the same set of decisions for a way more accurate system. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tension activated releases are not the most accurate release aid out there. Otherwise, every professional archer would be shooting them. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's not the most accurate, but it certainly is the easiest for somebody to control. But the problem is, is that you never blueprinted it. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Only when you shoot a truly controlled shot and you know exactly how you did it, meaning you know what you were thinking, you know what you were saying, you know you could have stopped it, and you know what decisions you made, then and only then do you have a robust thought process, right? And then if something goes wrong with your bow, you just fix it and you know it's nothing to do with you, right? It's just something that happened to your bow. You fix that problem, and then you plug that controlled shot right back into it, and you're right back in the game. Right. But if you have a thought process that you've never blueprinted, something that goes wrong with your bow completely destroys your system. <laughs> that was absolutely it. <laughs> right? Yeah, so yeah. it's this whole shot IQ thing is about getting this controlled shot and then understanding exactly how you do it so that you can do it in any environment, any critter, any tournament, doesn't matter. You're going to stay in it no matter what. 
And that's what that's what takes this level of massive level of determination. So determination is one thing. Like I can want to kill a Boone and Crockett deer and I can be determined and I can do all of this stuff just like I can want to be a bodybuilder. Um, And if I decide that I'm going to be a bodybuilder, I can do push-ups and I can, you know, do weights and I can do nutrition and I can do all of this stuff. But the mental side of that is the, the, is completely different. I feel like going through the shot process because I mean, I mean, I guess break, let's break down like the exercises or the nutrition or how do you train your mind to not just decide to take off when, you know, that bull shows up screaming and snot. And so your mind, your mind going into autopilot is the default. That's what it wants to do. Right. So, the conscious override of your central nervous system so that you can stay in that trigger movement. That's what, that's where the skill is. That's where the determination comes from, right? Or that's what the determination needs to be put into. And it's put into this override in the form of decisions, right? Like, can you imagine that bulls come in and he's screaming his face off, right? And he turns broadside. And instead of you just drawing your bow back, when he turns broadside and you believe the shot is imminent, you make a decision. I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. Because if you never make that decision, you never open the door to the shot control house. I don't know if you guys have been following me on Instagram, but I did a, I talked about an analogy the other day about the shot control house. So, Every time you shoot a shot or you believe a shot is imminent, right? And I mean, we've all been there, either it's in a tournament or it's in that, when that critter turns broadside or whatever it may be, you go, oh man, this is happening, right? That is you standing on the porch of the shot control house. You want to get in the house, but you don't, you can't get in the house just by happenstance. The door is never going to just open for you. Nobody answers the door because nobody's home. Okay. (laughs) Nobody's in there to open the door for you. You have to open the door yourself. And the only thing that can open that door is you making a conscious decision. I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. And no matter what is an important statement because it's a determined statement. Right. When we say no matter what, no matter how we're using it in our language for the day, it is a determined statement. Right. Nobody ever just says that for some willy nilly, you know, talking about unicorns and rainbows. Right. <laughs> it's something that has to be done. All right. So I'm going to make I'm going to shoot this shot of control no matter what. That opens the door to the shot control house. You step inside. Right. The first room that you come to is the aiming room. Do not linger in that room. (laughs) Just walk through it, right? You get your aim done. You put your pin where you want it and you watch it to keep it because that's the only control you have over it anyways based on the science of visual proprioception. Stick your pin in the middle. Let it dance. No matter which way it moves, its next movement is always back to the center if you allow it to. So we're walking through the aiming room. We get that done. And now we set our finger on the trigger. Let's say we're shooting an index finger trigger, right? So we wrap our finger deep on that trigger. 
what that does as far as the house goes is it closes the door to the aiming room because now you're moving on you've got more tasks to do right so you've set your finger on that trigger you've just closed the door on the aiming room and then you say here i go here i go is a decision that is now said inside your shot process that makes you intensely present for the next task which is to move the trigger slow enough you can stop it right but let's equate this to jumping off a cliff into water so there you are you got your little toesies hanging over the edge if you're thinking in the future like mm, i don't know if that water's deep enough you will never jump at that point if your mind is in the future you will never do a movement that's going to cause your body impact it's the same thing that happens when you're moving that trigger. You are doing a movement that's going to cause your body impact. So how do you get yourself to jump off the cliff? You have to make a decision like, whoo, here I go, right? That is very common verbiage to get yourself to move and hurl your body off of a cliff, right? Or out of an airplane. So use that in your shot. So you've aimed already, you've wrapped your finger deep on the trigger, and now you say, here I go. What that does is it locks the door on the aiming room. You've closed the door, oh, but you want to get back in there, right? Your mind wants you back in the aiming room because it wants to use the sight picture as the shot stimulus, right? But here I go solidifies that decision. It locks the door on the aiming room. Now you're just watching it through the window because you can't touch it anymore. Right. And what here I go also does more importantly is it opens the door to the concentration room. But the concentration room is on fire. <laughs> it's a fiery mess inside there that your mind does not want you to walk into that room. Everything is telling you do not go in that room because that room equals an explosion. Right. That's why you have to co truly concentrate and talk yourself into the room, right? Mm -hmm. So there you are. You're wrapped deep on the trigger. You've already aimed. You're watching it to keep it. You've opened the door of the concentration room. Now you got to talk yourself into it. So here I go. Keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. You're talking yourself through that movement. That makes you singular-minded, right? It's a conscious override because you've got thoughts that are coming in. God, when's this thing going to go off? Oh, my God, it's a seven by seven. You're going to be a hero. All these things are coming in, but you got to be talking louder than the stress that's coming in to bounce those thoughts off, right? you got to stay in the movement. It's your only job at that point is to get in that concentration room, right? So you're working, you're talking yourself through that movement, boom, the shot breaks, and then you think you're a hero, right? But you just stepped out the door. You just stepped out the door of the, of the shot control house. You stepped out the back door. Now you got to walk around to the front, and there you are again, standing at the closed front door, right? So it takes another decision, same decision to get into the aiming room again. That's why every single shot takes the same decisions. 
You see what I mean? And you, you got to be able to blueprint it, right? You got to know what you were thinking after you put your finger on the trigger and after you said, here I go. Your only thought at that point is your shot activation movement, whatever that is for whatever type of release you're shooting, okay? And then you got to know what you were saying. What words was I using to talk myself into the concentration room, right? Was it keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling? Was it... Was it go? Was it a hum? Doesn't matter what you used. You got to use something, right? And then third question, could I have stopped it? Was I so concentrated on the shot activation movement that I could have stopped it anywhere within it, right? And if you can say yes to that, that you truly could have stopped it. You're moving it at a rate that you could have stopped it. That means you're in what's called a closed-loop control system. To get into a closed-loop control system for a movement that causes an explosion, you have to be determined enough to make a decision so that you're present, so that you can concentrate. So that third question, could I have stopped it, is very important. And then the fourth question of the blueprint, what decisions did I make? to get myself in the process for this one shot. And that's where you're going to find the fail point. Most people fail to make the decisions, and that's why they don't control the shot, because they didn't even get in the house. You know what I mean? They're running around in the front yard. <laughs> They're not in the house, right? So you've stepped out the, out the back door, you've walked around the front, and there's that damn front door again. You got to make a decision to open it until you get to the point where I am now in shot control, where you set an explosive charge on that front door and you blew that bastard to smithereens. <laughs> so there is no front door for me anymore. I don't have to, when I get set up for a shot, I don't have to go, okay, I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. I don't have to say that because that's a fundamental truth by which I live. Right. There is no front door for me. I just walk right in the house. You see what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's where the determination comes from. Are you determined enough to make the required decisions every single time? And it, it takes a lot of work, but get to the point where you're setting explosives on that front door. It's an interesting um, process because like in that analogy, I'm thinking of like, and I, I've heard you speak on uh, a couple of different things where you said, okay, I know I made a good shot here. And then you mm -hmm. kind of, um, you know, d did an analysis of it after the fact and said, what, what's going to happen. And so on bad shots that I've taken, which there are more than great shots, um, mm -hmm. there's like three different types of like reactions. One being a good shot, like mm -hmm. in the, in, in the instances where, I've made good shots or when uh, like I think 2018 I had like my best year ever and mm -hmm. my mindset was I, I missed a deer and then came right back and shot two and three days mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. by that time it was like <laughs> I got the miss under my belt that I was mm -hmm. like okay well yeah yep there that there's that mm -hmm. but then the mm -hmm. next two deer were like these deer are going to die. Like that was, mm -hmm. that was my, uh, you know, make a good shot and control process. That was me opening the door. Right. Would you say, would you say this is a very important point? 
would you say on those shots this you know this deer's going to die you made that's a decision that you made but did you know that you were going to shoot a controlled shot before you ever pulled your bow back i would i would not use that verbiage but knowing the way that i shoot and how i react in in the other instances mm-hmm. is i said to myself calm down and mm. you know you know take your time all of those things i mean i'm yeah. not using the same you know those are all those are all conscious decisions though correct and that's again those are the fail points when you don't say that you're an autopilot but you're using those decisions to bring yourself back and that is the skill in itself right and you got to get to the point where you understand what decisions you need to make when specifically you need to make them and then scientifically how to carry them out, right? Cause everybody that is super successful in shooting critters and people and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make those decisions. And when you ask very successful bow hunters, Hey man, what are you thinking about? Or, you know, what do you, you know, what's going through your head? And they all say something to themselves during their shot. Across the board, it's 100%. They all say something to themselves during their shot. And when you analyze it even further, most of them say something after the aim is complete. And that's that critical second that I talk about. It's the one second in time after you believe the aim is complete. That's when most people punch the trigger. Because that makes intuitive sense, does it not? My pin's on, shoot it. Right. Right? But when your pin is on, it's not time to shoot. It's time to decide. That's where here I go comes in after the aim. Right? After the aim is complete. Saying here I go brings you back from autopilot land, from wonderland, right? But you got to get to the point where you you know you're going to shoot a controlled shot before you ever pull your bow back. And then and only then is the door gone, right? So, like, for me, I'd, you know, I'd start, I bought the thumb trigger, then I went to the, um, the silver back, and then I went, then I went back to my thumb trigger and I shot it good, but then all of a sudden I would, I would catch myself getting into that, you know, all of a sudden I would hesitate and punch. Then I bought a hinge mm-hmm. release. Now the hinge mm-hmm. release, I've shot the best. Like, mm-hmm. and until I dropped it and ended up like it stripped out one of the little set screws, and then it was like mm-hmm. it ended up. It's like inconsistent. Like I remember at mm-hmm. Total Archery Challenge, I'm sitting there and it's my hand is like way back. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I never. My problem with my my process is I never, you know, say what you know. I'm going to make a controlled shot. I would just I don't mentally say it or i think Mm -hmm. about it but like when i'm shooting like when we're shooting our leagues and i always tell like frank and them you know my uncle frank and and chris and ernie and adam like just i just let the pin float like i don't Mm -hmm. worry about aiming you know and i do i have like a process i always like stay you know do my stance pick my bow up the same i always you know adjust my grip first and then go through the but i don't talk to myself i just think about you know once i get the pin on the on the spot 
Then I just think mm-hmm. about rotating that hand, but I don't talk yep. to myself. Right. But then when I went out, I'm like, I don't, I didn't want to hunt with my hinge release, and I didn't want to hunt with the the bat or the tension release. So I ended up going back to my thumb release for the hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'd been shooting it good, but then it's like all of a sudden I just like. Now, when you say when you say you're shooting it good, are you talking about results or are you talking about control? So the results, <laughs> right? So, and, and, you know, and, you said that you shot 2018 was your best year because so, you shot, you know, you shot a bunch of critters or whatever, but now that was Adam. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Right. So Adam said that, but was that you were shooting good result wise or you're shooting good control wise? Because if you shoot good control wise, your results are going to be awesome. Right. But if you shoot, for results but you don't know how you did it then you're you're destined to fail because right. you you never blueprinted it right now for like so, for me with the when i'm shooting my thumb trigger good is when mm-hmm. it's when my process is all good like i'm not yep. punching it at all i'm going through it yep. and i'm pulling and it just it's breaking and mm-hmm. like and i'm thinking apparently the right thoughts and then i and then i can tell like when i'm when i'm in a funk and all of a sudden i start just smashing it's like you know i gotta get out of my own head it's like then i change up releases but now you know talking to you it's got to be more of the determination and talking to myself and well it's just you never you don't have you you don't have a, a map a blueprint of these decisions that you're making right so you know, you've got these good days where like, man, this is awesome. I'm doing so good. And people get to the point where, oh, this is working so good, right? Remember in shot control, nothing works for you because your default is always autopilot. <laughs> autopilot is only interested in efficiency, not accuracy. If it was up to your subconscious, you would never shoot your bow because it's an explosion, Right. So nothing is ever going to work for you. You have to work for it. What I teach people is how to do the work, right? What decisions to make, when to make them, how to carry them out, all those things, right? So you did, you had these, these uh, good, res, good execution shots, but you never blueprinted them. So therefore, there's no way you can repeat it over and over. So now when you shoot that good shot, we'll blueprint it. And now you'll know exactly how you did it. And you'll be, it's much more powerful that way. But what I was um, going to say, like, again, through that analogy is mm-hmm. it seems like when you're frozen underneath the target there, mm-hmm. your, your body is saying, you're not, it's like you're trapped in the aiming house. Like it's not in a good yeah. spot and I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know what to do now. I'm you're in the aiming room with the <laughs> aiming monster and he's kicking your ass. <laughs> Cause I mean, I'm as, um, as much as I and John need to hear this. Um, mm-hmm. I am, uh, I always approach these podcasts for the listener, for the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. And, and, sure. and so I want to go through, like I said, so the other, so that that portion of like why that happens and how to uh, overcome mm-hmm. that, and then for right. me on animals, like those 
two deer that I killed and I said they have to die. And I mean, I was making conscious decisions because I could have shot them a whole bunch of times, but they were moving. Sure. They didn't know sure. I was there. And I said, all right, just let them yeah. come. It's yeah. fine. And then when they stopped, I, I just, I mean, just laced them. But yep. now with these turkeys and the deer <laughs> I shot this year, it was like, I drew back and it was like, the pin's there, bam. Like, right. you know, and you shot with, you shot within the critical second. Yeah. And guaranteed. And so can we break down how to overcome those types of things? Or if you were to find yourself in those positions or that describes you as an archer, Yep. like what is the thought process or the mental steps or whatever to, uh, first of all, understand that that's happening or what's happening. And then. Yep. So let's it. talk about, you, you want to talk about locked off target? Please. So it's all integrated, and you're going to hear a lot of the same things. But if you draw back and you can't get your pin on the target, that means that your aim still means something to you. And your sight, your subconscious is using the sight picture as your shot stimulus. You being on the target, your pin being on the target equals an explosion. So it won't let you do that. And as long as your pin is not on the target, you're calm as a cucumber, right? Now, if you were to say, okay, I'm not, Adam, I'm not shooting this shot, and you draw back, you'd be able to put your pin right on the spot and hold just steady as you can be. Why is that? It's because it's not going to explode. There's no explosion connected to the pin being on the target if you know you're not going to shoot, okay? So there's a core problem in shooting with the human mind. Your mind will not allow you to cause your body impact as a surprise. So it uses that sight picture as the shot stimulus. So what happens is, let's say your pin's locked low. And then your mind's like, okay, get ready, Adam, and now. And it will jump your pin to the target and punch the trigger all in the same motor program. They become linked. Right. So you jumping to target and punching the trigger all becomes the same motor program. The problem is there's all kinds of other muscle contractions. They get linked to the trigger punch as well. And that deviates your point of impact. So drive by shooters never get very accurate. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do we fix it? Well, number one, you got to break your shot into two completely different jobs. Job number one, draw back and aim. Get it done. Watch it to keep it. It means nothing to you. Just get it done. You shouldn't know what direction your pin comes from. If it's 30 yards and you have a 30-yard pin, draw back and put your damn 30-yard pin on it and just enjoy the show. <laughs> you don't have any control over it anymore. Just stick it on there and then move on in your shot. You have to close the door on the aiming room, right? And that is done by making decisions. So you draw back and aim, get it done, watch it to keep it. That's job number one. Once that is done, you wrap your finger on the trigger. Okay? That closes the door on the aiming room. Then you make the decision, here I go. If you can't get your pin on the target, you'll never get to here I go. Right? Mm -hmm. So you should never shoot that shot. Because you haven't even... You haven't even moved on yet, but as the instant that your aim means nothing to you, just get it done. Then you'll be able to aim just like if you weren't going to shoot your bow. It's instantaneous. I, I always tell people, people ask me, how long does your program take? 
it takes as long as it takes you to make a decision. That can be one shot, right? But you have to approach it with this massive amount of determination. That's why before you ever draw your bow back, I'm going to shoot the shot control no matter what. That includes getting your damn pin on the target, right? So you get your pin on there, then you put your finger on the trigger, then here I go. And that is the separator, right? Here I go does so many positive things for you in your shot, right? Here I go. That closes, that locks the door on the aiming room, that opens the door on the concentration room. It just separates the whole front half from the back half. Here I go. And it makes you intensely present for that job. So those people that are locked off target are blending the jobs in the shot. They have no separation point in there. If they did, they would never be locked off target because it just doesn't make any sense to do that. You, you can't even move on in your shot until you get it on there. So let's say that somebody has been locked off target for 30 years, right? And but they love archery so much, they're still at it, but they're still locked off target. It, I mean, I, I trained a professional archer the other day that I had a 40 minute conversation with her on the phone. She's never aimed in the middle ever, right? And she's a professional archer that's done extremely well aiming in the blue ring on a <laughs> Vegas, right? I know, I think I know so, what you're talking about. Yeah, I've heard yeah, her talk you know, about her, it. Yeah, so yeah. now she's just she's killing it, and she's aiming in the middle because I just got her to separate from it, right? That's all you got to do is put your pin on and move on. It it can't mean anything to you. It's just something that you get done. But if this you got an archer that's been locked off for thirty years, it's going to take a massive amount of determination. But simply ask yourself a question, right? Draw back. And ask yourself the question, am I on? And if that's a no, then you've got to get on before you can even proceed. So you may have to let that shot down, right? But you better be working at it before you let it down. You can't just let it down and use use not being on the target as a scapegoat. Get your damn pin on the target. So that's the question I ask people. They draw back and I go, are you on? And they go, oh, not yet. Are you on now? Oh, not yet. Well, get your damn pin on there. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and sometimes it takes a little bit of tough love to get them, okay, I'm on, right? And that's where, you know, then we, okay, now put your finger on the trigger. Okay, and you see their anxiety building. Now say it, here I go. Okay, here I go. And then they start working. Like if they do it with a, like if I was had somebody that was locked off target, and they're punching the trigger along with that. I'd have them go to a tension activator release, right? But I would set it so tight that it won't go off. <laughs> and so then they put the safety in. They draw back and aim. They let the safety off. Then they say, here I go, and they start pulling, right? But their mind sees that pin on the target. It's like, now! So it gives it a big old yank but it doesn't go off, right? So then I have them push the safety in and let it down. Okay, what were you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about pulling, and then I saw that pin on there. So you know that they stepped back into the aiming room, right? <laughs> and the aiming monster kicked their ass, and it made them yank the trigger, right? 
to do that big old yank, but it didn't go off. So we analyzed that. What were you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about my aim. I was thinking about when's this thing going to go off? How much do I have to pull? You know, their, their mind gets stuck in questions. When is it going to go off? Why isn't it going off? Is it ever going to go off? Right? So it gets stuck in those questions and all of those things do not equate to concentration on the movement. So usually they'll do that for just a couple, maybe twice where I get the big jerk in there and then I have them let up and then you see the determination go up and everybody, you know, in my, in my courses, I have a signature test that, that shows somebody closed loop control systems and open loop control systems and how much determination it takes and the exact speed you can move your release and all these things. Right. And when they finally decide to at least write their name correctly within the parameters, they all have a tell, right? They either sigh, they cuss, they scoot closer to the piece of paper, they grip the pen differently, but they all have a tell, right? Same thing when the, when the archer finally breaks and goes, okay, I'm going to do this this way no matter what. Then you see him draw back a name. And then I go, are you on? Yep, I'm on. The aim happens very quickly, right? Okay, let the safety off. Safety comes off. Say it. Here I go. And then they start pulling. And they're pulling and they're pulling and they're pulling. And they're just, they get to the point where their body's just shaking like crazy, but it still hasn't gone off. And then I have them push the safety and let it down. What were you thinking about on that one? Man, I was just thinking about pulling. That's the answer I'm looking for. Right. Because they finally made themselves singular minded. They finally got enough determination to make a decision so that they were present so that they could concentrate. And then and only then do I start to back that release off. And I only let it off a little bit at a time where they got to pull like crazy. And all of a sudden, boom, the thing goes off. What were you thinking about? What were you saying? Could you have stopped it? What decisions did you make? Right. So now they're starting to formulate this blueprint. And then I quickly get them off the tension activator release and back into whatever release they want to shoot. Right. So we take that blueprint into whatever release it is. So that's how I fix these people. I don't always have to do it with a tension activator release, but I certainly don't have people get in that tension activator release and stay in it. Because if they stay in the tension activator release, they're not getting reps in making the decisions. And that's what you need reps in. You don't need reps in shooting. You need reps in making decisions. You need reps in concentration. You see what I mean? It's a whole different approach. Okay. And I'm imagining that it's going to be similar, but for uh, guys like myself that have maybe more often than not or found ourselves in this position where by using your terminology, as soon as I get the bow back, I go, here we go. And then there it goes. <laughs> right. Well, that's just, you know, not knowing your blueprint. Right. Mm -hmm. And also shooting the shot from wonderland. Cause if you pull your bow back and you don't know whether you're going to control the shot or not, you're not going to control it. You're going to go to the default subconscious autopilot. Right. You got to get out of Wonderland. There can be no question as to how you're going to control your shot. And why wouldn't you control it if you know the blueprint? Right. 
right? It, it gets to the point where it doesn't make sense to not control your shot. See what I mean? Yeah, I have to imagine that there's a, a albeit mental, muscle memory learning curve there. Because as you say, you know, you will always fall back to autopilot if you let yourself. Well, yeah, but I mean, this all of your shot activation movement is consciously driven. So there is no muscle memory. I don't, I don't like to use that. It's motor programs, right? Because muscles don't have memory. They don't have little brains inside them, right? It's Correct. Just, it's motor Correct. programs. It's neural pathways and all those things. And, you know, you can consciously send signals, right? You can consciously send the signal to your back to pull or to stretch your hand or to rotate your hinge, right? Those movements have to be consciously driven to be closed loop, which means slow enough you can stop it, slow enough that you can gain feedback within it. If it's too fast, it's open loop, and therefore you're going to punch it, right? Like when you punch a trigger, that motor program is so fast you can't gain feedback within it. You can't stop it once it's sent. So that's not where we want to be. And if you were to punch one, find the fail point, right? That's This is the big you know, kind of the, the, the pinnacle of this conversation we're having is find the fail point. And to find the fail point, it's the same questions of the same blueprint. So let's say you punch one. Okay. What was I thinking? God, I was thinking about that is one hell of a buck, right? <laughs> and you'll know that you were not thinking about your shot activation movement. What was I saying? I was saying, God dang, I think that thing's going to go 170, right? <laughs> and you'll find that you're not saying the right things. You're not using your mantra to direct and trap your concentration. Could I have stopped it? Obviously not. A trigger punch you can't stop, right? And the big one is that fourth question when you're trying to find the fail point. What decisions did I make to get myself in the process for this one shot? Did I step up to the line and go, I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. That's going to be your first fail point right there because you probably never made that decision. Therefore, the door never opened to the shot control house. You never got inside, right? And then once you have aimed and once you've put your finger on the trigger and, and preloaded that trigger, did you say, here I go? And that's going to be your second major fail point that you're going to find. So it's the same questions, whether it's a perfect shot or whether it's a horrible shot. It's the same questions. If it's that perfect shot, you're using the blueprint to really figure out exactly how you did it. If it's a horrible shot, you're using the blueprint to find the fail point. And then once you find the fail point, super easy to fix, right? Well, I got to make this decision at this point. I got to make this decision at this point. I'm going to say these things at this point, right? And you just become ultra conscious within that shot process. And all the bad stuff goes away. But it only goes away for that one shot. Then it gets reloaded in the chamber, right? The door's closed again. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, Damn so, it. I got to go back to the front. <laughs> <laughs> right. You always have to start from the front porch. You can't go in the back door. I think that's another big thing too. Is like, for me, I'll 
like go through my process and, you know, I do have a process. It's just, like I said, I don't, and then I just start, uh, it's like, I don't know if I get complacent or what, but I, then I just, or get lazy. And then I just start, you know, then I'm just out there, I guess, back into just like subconsciously just shooting, just getting shooting reps. And then it's like, Oh, bad shot. You know, then if, if you're just doing shooting reps, I guarantee you, you're practicing your own failure. Yep. And so this is one thing that, you know, John and I talked about a little bit in preparation for this uh, episode, mm-hmm. but it's almost like your um, philosophy could be superimposed on like professional baseball players who fiddle around with their gloves and touch their helmet and they do the mm-hmm. same thing every time and they just forget about that last swing, the last pitch, and they do all of those things to reset themselves in that exact moment well that's they're making themselves present but here's the difference in most other sports and let's use let's use baseball as an example you've got a pitcher that you know twirls that ball inside the glove maybe pinches their glove a few times looks away looks to second base whatever they do whatever their routine is right and they follow that routine but the movement their successful movement is open loop. It's pitching, right? When you throw that baseball, it's, there's no explosion that happens. So that movement is supposed to be fast enough that you can't stop it. You don't need to gain feedback within it, right? It is its own motor program. It's an automatic motor program. And it's supposed to be in baseball, especially in pitching or throwing any baseball or football or whatever. But there's no explosion, right? If the pitcher knew that the baseball was going to explode six inches in front of their face, (laughs) if they threw it perfectly, then their pitching movement would become an anticipated movement, and they'd never be able to throw it, right? Because they'd have all kinds of other muscle contractions that would brace them for the recoil of that, right? Right. So now in pitching as well, what's most important? Most important is vision and all these things, not necessarily the motor program, but let's think about the game winner. Right. Okay. If I pitch this one perfectly, it's going to be a no hitter. Right. I got to make sure that I break my wrist at this certain point. So what they did is they just put conscious thought inside an open loop movement, which kills the totality of the movement. And they throw it. it, it it's nothing like what you saw on the thousands of other pitches that they threw that day. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the free throw th- shooter, right? So he bounces the ball three times and spins the basketball and then shakes his ass a couple of times and then <laughs> shoots it. Well, on the game winner, he thinks, oh, God, I got to do this one perfect. So he puts a little conscious thought into that open loop motor program of the of the shot itself, and it kills the totality of it, and they miss it every time, right? So that's where it's completely different than shooting. Because in shooting, you have to put the conscious thought into the shot activation movement. It's closed loop, not open loop, right? In most sports, the successful movement is open loop. But that's not the way it is in shooting because there's this explosion attached to it. So if you go open loop, there will be pre-ignition movements linked to your trigger motor program. That's not my opinion. That's how it works. That's the science of it, right? So the conscious override 
and concentration on that movement, that's all the consciousness that keeps you so you're moving closed loop, slow enough you can stop it, even though you know the explosion's coming. That's why shooting is so difficult for the human mind to comprehend. So what happens when Joel Turner makes a bad shot? So, well, I don't, I don't make any shots where I don't get through my trigger properly. I won't do that. I don't care who you are, who's watching, what's happening. Now, I'm not saying I hit the X all the time. And sometimes uh, I'll have a collapse, right? It doesn't happen very often, but I've had it happen on critters before where I'm working through my trigger. And when the trigger breaks, there's a collapse that happens, right? And it usually has to do with I'm, I'm holding way too long or, you know, my thought process is, is not in the right place and I don't, uh, I don't put it back where it needs to be. And that's happened when in the initial stages of shot control. Like I didn't gain control of my shot until 2015. That's when I made the final vow basically that I'm never going to shoot an uncontrolled shot on a critter. And I won't do that. I, there is no way that I'm shooting an uncontrolled shot. Now there's some motor programs that may come in. Uh, It doesn't happen very often, but uh, you know, I've ones where my thumb doesn't let go correctly. It just doesn't, you know, because I shoot with my thumb on a stick bow, but um, it doesn't happen very often. But if it did same questions, of the blueprint. What was I thinking? Well, I was thinking the right thing. What was I saying? I was saying the right thing. What, where was the breakdown? And the breakdown was maybe, you know, if I, if I have a shot, this happens to me in tournaments quite often where I'm at full draw and I've got the perfect aim. I'm just, I'm looking at that thing going, God, if it would go off right now, (laughs) it would be so good. Right. But then I got to snap myself back to reality and go, hey, dumbass, that's not what you need to be thinking. It'll never, my trigger will never pop at that point, ever, right? Because I'm thinking about, oh, God, that looks so good, <laughs> right? So I find myself every now and again in a tournament with that. If I have the time, I'll let that down. If I don't have the time, then I know how to fight. And if I need to fight, I need to speak with more aggression in my mantra. It's not keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing or whatever, you know, movement I'm doing for whatever trigger. It's keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, right? I use more aggression in my speech and that adds strength to the movement, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can simply look at weightlifters on the last rep. They're not talking nicely to themselves, <laughs> right? Right. They're right. using aggression in their speech to enhance their concentration. Yeah. Now, John, we're, we're just about coming up on time here. I know you got to shoot. John always asks about, about your bow and stuff, but Mm -hmm. we, so this has been one of the, the podcasts that, uh, you know, our listeners, our Patreons have been saying, Hey, you got to talk to Joel Turner, but you have to ask him (laughs) what is up with the Uh backwards riser thumb release. What in the world is going on with your bow setup? That, Man, I love it. It's I got I get bored and (laughs) I I love archery so much. You know, I study all the different cultures and disciplines and 
so cool to see what's happening around the world, right? I mean, we, in our way of shooting is not even the majority of the world, right? And in, as far as, you know, shooting with our fingers and with stick bows and stuff, I mean, there's a whole other culture out there of thumb shooters. And I saw it, I wanted to try it, and I shot it with a right-handed bow to start with. And understanding the science of my eyes not lined up with the arrow anymore. So I have to can't, if I shoot a right hand bow, I have to cant the top limb significantly to get it underneath my eye. And when I do that, uh, it brings my, my bow shoulder up just a little bit. And that I've had some injuries on that shoulder and it doesn't feel that great. It's a, it's a very accurate system. My arrow flight is money. When I shoot with my thumb, I get two and a half inches more draw length. Because if you guys see pictures or video of me walking, I walk like a gorilla. My arms don't go straight. It's not because I'm trying to be cool or a tough guy. My arms don't go straight. I was born bow-armed, basically, right? So I've never hit my arm, ever. But it makes my draw length 27 inches, right? So if I can shoot 27 inches or 29 and a half inches of draw length, I'm taking the longer draw length, fellas, right? So, and when you turn your hand up with your thumb like that, it allows you to draw the bow much farther and get in a in better alignment so I can hold the bow longer when I shoot my stick bow. But so now I'm watching all the, all the other cultures that shoot with their thumb and their arrows on the other side. Well, I started to research that. That basically comes from mounted horseback archery, right? Where they were able to, while they're riding their horse, you're able to load the arrow on that side of the bow and then the pressure from their index finger actually holds it against the bow so the arrow's not flopping all over the place when they're riding their horse right but there's you know so that got me to thinking okay well maybe i need a left-handed riser so i got myself a left-handed riser and when i drew that back and looked down that arrow the sight picture is phenomenal right so i get to see it's like looking at a ramp from the side because my eyeball is not at 12 o'clock over the arrow shaft it's at 10 o'clock so i get to see kind of down 10 o'clock on the arrow which allows me to set the pitch of the arrow therefore i don't necessarily need to judge range so much up to a certain point because i'm looking at the arrow from the side and because it's on the other side of the bow all it is is basically a bow that's cut so far past center that the arrow is on the other side of the bow, on the other side of the riser, essentially, right? So now I can look at it. My eye is at 10 o'clock. I can look down the side of the shaft to set the pitch. And because the arrow is so far over, I can still put it directly underneath the spot. So my left and right, phenomenal. My up and down, phenomenal. The this sight picture, it's a double axis sight picture. It's, I mean, I giggle when I'm at full draw on critters. <laughs> and I wish that everybody could see what I'm seeing. Because if they could see what I'm seeing, you'd see a lot more thumb shooters out there, fellas, I guarantee you. <laughs> so how are you releasing that bow that one of our listeners, he also had said that you've got, you shoot like a weird glove with a like a metal thumb tab or something? No, no, no. It's just a leather thumb tab. It's it's no different than a finger tab that you would shoot with your regular stick bow, but it's on my the tab portion is on my thumb. So my thumb goes around the the 
string, and then my index finger goes over my thumbnail. Okay, and that creates a lock or a latch, basically, right? So then you draw back, and then all you're doing is essentially just like you're flipping a coin, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you let it go. You're essentially just flipping a coin, I and it's fantastic. Isn't that like I I I can't remember, but the Zen, the art of archery or something. Isn't that how they mm -hmm. shot in that book? Oh yeah, With yeah, because the... that's usually it's usually kudo archery. Uh, Japanese archery culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's, they shoot with what's called a gaki, which is a, it's a thumb glove, but there's a piece of bone inside that glove that creates a ledge for the string to go on. And it sits, the string sits all the way back to the base of their thumb, whereas mine's on the joint. Okay. So that, that type of release of the, that type of glove would not be legal in competition. Because this, the weight of the string sits on that ledge, right. whereas I'm holding full weight of the string on my thumb tab, basically. So, yeah. All right. So what's your compound setup? Well, I don't necessarily have a compound setup. I, I only shoot compounds for demo stuff. Oh, okay. And I, I let my son Bodie do all, the, uh, do all the compound work. But if I need to set a bow for demo, I'll just take one of his and, and uh, set up like I – you know, my boy is a shooting machine, right? I mean, he's doing phenomenal. He's going pro next year, and he's just amazing. But, you know, he's amazing not because of any physical attributes. He's amazing because he has such shot control. I mean, he gets in these very high-pressure shoot-offs, and, you know, it's the highest pressure you can get in tournament archery, and he does well. He gets just as nervous as everybody else, but he knows exactly how to combat it. He knows what he needs to say to himself at specific moments in that shot. So the other day I set up one of his bows cause we were shooting some indoor stuff. And, and, uh, I tell people all the time, there's no reason you should, you should not shoot a 300 Vegas round. There's no reason why that should happen with today's equipment. If you have shot control, there's no reason you shouldn't shoot a 300. So I set his bow up, I sighted it in and I shot a 323 X the first time I, first time i shot it wow and that's not, i mean shooting a 330x is is some serious work right it took us a while to get to that but you know i mean just setting up a bow and shooting a 323x that's and and i'm not special i'm not there's nothing special about me it's just that i'm going to shoot that shot of control i don't care who you are i don't care who's watching I'm running that trigger, whatever release it is. You can you can hand me any release on the market, and I'm going to shoot it with control, no matter what. Right? The front the front door of the house is blown off, fellas. <laughs> so that's that's where I need people to get to. Right? I need to have a table in front of you with a hundred different releases, and you don't care which one you shoot. You'll run it with control because it's just a hunk of metal. It doesn't make decisions for you. You make the decisions. You find the determination, right? Right. So I guess real quick before we wrap up, only because mm -hmm. we were talking about uh, releases and uh, bows and such, for guys that are starting out or struggling with target panic, um, mm -hmm. and we live in a, a gear-driven world, so there's mm -hmm. so much great marketing. There's podcasts that say, use this, sure. use that. This is what sure. we use. Yep. This is why we yep. suck. Um, mm -hmm. Is there one maybe to 
stay away from or something that you feel like allows people to have more control or allows for better success? Yep. In, uh, if you're going index finger triggers, go with a B3 Hawk flex. And I say that because it's a single sear design that you can set massive spring tension on it. Everybody wants hair triggers, but I want you to be able to move enough that you can get to cruise control, right? I'm not trying to set cruise control at one mile an hour. I'm not feathering the gas. I want to be able to press on the gas and watch the speedometer come up till I get to 40. When I get to 40 miles an hour and I feel that right pressure increase, then my only job is to stay in that same speed. So hit the cruise control button, right? So that's why you want to set these triggers hard. And it doesn't, and the B3 Hawk Flex is one that you can make plenty short for almost any hand. And I don't make any money off of saying this. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I just have a lot of releases and I do these demos daily, right? And that B3 Hawk Flex is one of the best ones. A, uh, a Carter like Mike is another good one that you can set really hard with no travel. Those are the two index finger triggers that I would highly recommend. I wouldn't recommend any others. Well, there's there's some made by Trueball that are good, but they you can't set them too tight. I want you to be able to set it super hard. And then uh, for thumb triggers, just any of the ones you can set super hard, which there isn't really any that you can set really hard, but they all get to a certain level that should be able to run. As far as hinges go, make sure you're shooting a hinge with a click in it. Because the only reason people take the click out is because it freaks them out, right? <laughs> well, that's because they're not using the click as a decision point, right? So how I would have people shoot a hinge is you draw back an aim. Once the aim is complete, then you make a conscious movement to the click. It doesn't have to be slow. It just has to be nice and smooth, right? So draw back an aim, then roll to the click. Then say, here I go to make your decision to make you intensely present. And then you talk yourself through the rest of the movement. Closed loop. Before the click can be open loop. After the click, closed loop. Slow enough you can stop it, right? So you want your, you want your hinge to have a long enough sear in it that you can get to cruise control. You don't want like a 6,000 6, sear in it where it's going to break as soon as you move just the slightest bit that's where you're trying to set cruise control at one mile an hour get it to where you got some movement get a good you know 14 to 20 thousandths of movement in there so and most of the most of the hinges will do that you just have to buy the right sears for them right and then tension activated stuff the silverback is good i like the stan element uh those are all good but again i just use those for the initial getting people over the hump and understanding what the hell i'm talking about with the blueprint right if i don't keep people in those releases yeah so there you go well awesome this has been i mean i feel like this has been a really fun episode for us and it's it's you know i think this is the first time that we've had someone on here to like kind of teach us about we've we've had a lot of people right. to teach us about hunting but never about sure. shooting, shooting which so. right. i think we should have this at the beginning <laughs> we, <laughs> right. we, we, yeah. you want to teach people but, about how to shoot and then go hunt <laughs> yeah it certainly it certainly helps i mean it just gets people out of wonderland and they 
I, I hate watching people practice their own failure, right? Because it's going to, it's going to bite them in the ass at the moment of truth. And that's from experience. That's not just talking from the outside world. I mean, again, it took me 13 years to kill a bull elk with my bow. And, and now, you know, I used to dread getting a shot because I knew it wasn't going to be good. And now it's so, it's such powerful information to know exactly how you're going to control your shot, no matter what, you know, however many thousands of dollars you spend, it's, it's very powerful to know how you're going to do it, no matter what the situation is. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like I yeah. said, this is just, it's been really good. So where can people find out about your course and follow along with everything that you're doing and, and, and all the things that you are doing? So on Instagram, it's Joel Turner underscore shot IQ. Uh, I've got a couple of Facebook pages. One's Joel Turner, one's shot IQ at shot IQ.com is my website. And that's where you can find the online course in control process shooting. I've also got a precision pistol course on there and uh, which we go through all the science of, of control process shooting with handguns, which you can directly equate to rifles and such. And then, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where to find me. I've also got a book on Amazon called control process shooting. The thing is with the book though, is I can't keep rewriting it where the online course I can constantly, when I, when I find new sciences, I vet them and then I can put them into the online course. And then the next time you log into it, you've got all the new material. So it's very, very up to date. And, uh, and it's the best that I can, that I can give you. Well, awesome. Just, you know, thank you so much for being on tonight and uh, taking some time. Now, now go shoot another 300, right? Well, I'm going to go, it's a, it's a 3d league tonight. So I'm going to go use some foam for some concentration practice. fellas. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thank you. Okay guys. Appreciate it.